unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm great, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm a little bit intimidated because I'm looking at today's show notes, and you you sent me a beefy stack of notes for today's episode. Oh, yeah. Well, don't don't be intimidated. I think you'll be delighted after we go through this. In fact, um, what we're going to be talking about is called the five puzzle pieces. And even before I get into my planned intro, I'll tell you that this is, I've sort of reverse engineered the key parts of two copy critiques I did. And I was sharing this with someone else, sharing these notes with someone else um, who does copy critiques. And she said, can I keep this? I said, yeah, but I don't want you to share it with anyone until the podcast releases. She said, oh, no, I don't want to share with anyone. I want to use it in a copy critique I'm doing in a week. So hopefully this is a very useful tool as well as an intimidating, beefy stack of show notes. All right, so let's jump into it. Okay, so I want to say at the start, at the second start, (laughs) this show is especially for service business owners and copywriters who write for service business owners. Now, I have a reason to believe that this includes 68% of our audience. But even if that's not you, I want to ask you to stick around because I think you'll find a few tips that you can use for other types of copywriting and marketing and service business. It all started a few weeks ago when I did critiques on two different lead generation letters from two different business owners. And they were different in just about every way you can imagine. They were on opposite sides of the country. One was in an old school financial business. One is a brand new um, high up-to-date marketing business, but in both cases, they had remarkably similar problems with their copy. What's more, I ended up using the same methods, more or less, to help them turn what they sent me into powerful response-getting sales letters. And then I was reading an interview with the great songwriter Suzanne Vega. She's best known for the hit song Luca many years ago, and she's written a lot of other songs. She said something about songwriting, about puzzle pieces falling into place. And I went back to the interview and I couldn't find it, but she said a lot of things very close to that. Anyway, that's how it is with copy. When I'm critiquing stuff, at a certain point, you've done enough work so the pieces fall into place. And today I want to share what I think are the five most important puzzle pieces in a sales letter, for a service business owner, for any lead generation letter, and how all these pieces fit together. So here's what we're going to do. Of course, I can't reveal any details about either of the clients, but I don't need to for this show. What we're going to do is I'm going to share what each piece is, and then I'll give you an example. Then I'll give you some questions you can ask to make sure you've got this piece as good as possible. And I thought I should mention there's a sixth puzzle piece, too, that I'll share with you right away. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is 
all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, to the puzzle pieces of the critique. These are things I'm looking for. This is not necessarily a way to write copy. It might be good, but this is what I'm looking for. See if the piece is there in the first place and how good it is. And the first one, not surprisingly, is the hook or the headline or the opening or all three of them. And this is where most people get it very, very wrong. And there are a couple of reasons they usually get it wrong when I'm doing it. First is it's not catchy. And the second one is easier to spot than whether it's catchy or not, but it's harder to fix. And that is that your hook, your headline or your opening line, ask the prospect to meet the business owner where the business owner is rather mentally, rather than reaching out, stretching to meet the prospect where they are. And I'll, I'll give you a simple example. Let's say your business is you do Facebook campaigns and you're doing a sales letter to local businesses. Now, I don't think he would do this because Sam's smarter than this. But um, if you think about Sam Carlson, who was on our show, he actually has a business like this. He reaches out to local businesses. And so a typical marketer might start out a sales letter with a line like this. Are you getting the best ROI possible with your Facebook ad? And it's a reasonable enough question that that's the problem. It's too reasonable. The prospect is thinking something other than, hmm, let me see. Uh, what is the ROI? What, what is the MER? What is our... That's not what they're thinking. They're thinking, help! My Facebook ads aren't working. How am I going to get new business? Okay. And so you need to... Meet them there. And an emotional place, a good hook would be built around what is emotionally troubling the prospect, something that you can solve. And it's not around the end result of your solution, which would be what I said in the first place, better ROI for Facebook ads. So for this first puzzle piece, here are some questions you can ask. And you need to, don't do this like a checklist, do this sort of like a, I'm going to have a cup of coffee and think about this. Question, whose point of view does the opening of my copy speak to? If it speaks to your point of view, you're screwed. If it speaks to your prospect's point of view, you're golden. Okay. Here's one about catchy that I think helps. If you overheard the words in a conversation, would you want to eavesdrop on the rest of the conversation? Okay. And third question is, how well do your hook and opening open up the prospect's awareness of an emotionally troubling problem they already know about that you can help them solve? That's a lot. So let me break it down. How well do your hook and opening open up the prospect's awareness of an emotionally troubling problem they already know about that you can help them solve? So that's the first one. Nathan, how are you reacting? Uh, I, I feel like this is something that a lot of even seasoned copywriters have trouble with, which is we overthink and we 
we we try to come up with the best hook and it's sometimes not or, or the best intro to our our uh way that we're going to reach out to people and it just doesn't come off natural it comes off as overthunk if that makes sense yeah i agree and it's an occupational hazard because you've got to do a lot of thinking to really get deep into the product into the prospect into the prospect's life but then you need to you know i have a hyper intelligent client he's actually been in this podcast but i won't say it is and he said that the way i david Wright is like two drunk guys talking to each other and i thought that's pretty good you sort of need to write that way it, it is like the two guys in the bar so yeah after you so i guess a good conclusion to what you said a good solution would be after you've done all this thinking become stupid right? <laughs> all right yeah the second yeah uh, just what you said, um, if you overheard the conversation, if you overheard these words in a conversation, would you want to eavesdrop on the rest of the conversation? Um, making the, making your copy conversational, make it sound natural, make it sound like something that two people would actually be talking to, because that's what you're doing when you're writing is you want to convey, not that you're writing to somebody or that they're reading you. You want them, you want it to convey that you're having a conversation with them. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, and and I, I'm going to talk about that a little more too. So let's get to the second puzzle piece. The second puzzle piece is staying on the problem and expanding it, but expanding it in an empathetic, understanding way. Not like you're a sadist, you know, and I've seen people write this way and I'm sure they get their rocks off, but it doesn't help sales except for very masochistic people, I suppose. Um, in an empathetic understanding way. So you care about them, but you're not shy about talking about their problem. I mean, you go to a doctor, the nurse is not going to be shy about asking you how you're feeling, how it hurts, and neither is the doctor, right? Um, you you have to be very open about this. And you need to point to the increasingly negative real life implications to the prospect like if you keep sniffing that stuff your nose is going to fall off that's more like what a parent would say than a doctor i guess but you no know, you you need to um not shy away from it but also not be too hard hard hard-headed about it in simpler terms this is called skillful agitation of the problem like let's say with our facebook marketer you you put together a sequence of events that leads to spending more and more money and getting less and less business from it. Maybe little mini scenarios in one sentence. You can see how that's staying on the problem and expanding it. Um, now, a couple of problems I see, a couple of mistakes people make when I'm critiquing their copy. Um, the first one is the nice guy syndrome. The copywriter doesn't want the prospect to get upset, so they don't do this part at all. And I actually saw this in one of the critiques I did. And he really was a nice guy, and he really was not doing his prospect any favors by being that nice. Then the other one is the lunge and plunge syndrome. People who go for the throat all at once rather than building it up at a more digestible pace so the prospect can digest it. Okay, 
So some questions to hone this puzzle piece. And I know this is a little more complex than the first one. Skillful agitation of the problem, gradually building it up. Some questions to help you hone the puzzle piece. Um, are your statements and questions about emotions rather than fact? You're going to affect someone emotionally. You have to talk about emotions, not just fact. Is it easy for the prospect to understand that you care about the situation? And can the prospect readily relate to what you're talking about? You're making them think if, if you're talking about Facebook ads, but you have some crazy analogy um, about breakthrough Japanese experiments in pond scum, and you expect people to put two and two together, ain't going to work. Any, any thoughts on this part before we move on? Uh, no, just what you, I, I guess, yes, actually, what you always come back to, um, you have to do the work. You can't, the, the more work the reader has to do to draw those connections, the less likely the connection will be made and the less likely they'll put that money in your pocket. So you have to spell it out and make sure that those connections are, um, are, are more than just implied. Yeah. It's like, it's gotta be, can't miss. It's like, it can't be ambiguous. It can't be poetic. It can't be, um, metaphors. It's gotta be like, you know, you keep pouring more and more money in, Facebook and nothing's coming out. That's pretty hard to misconstrue, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's go to our third puzzle piece. And this is a lot easier. Yet a lot of business people, not copywriters so much, not gurus, not celebrity types, but regular business people who have a service offer, a lot of them leave it out or they're very shy about including it. And this puzzle piece is identifying yourself and your relevant credentials and the key word to underline here is relevant okay relevant means something your prospect would care about something that would make them see you as qualified to do what you do maybe something that would even make them see you as the best choice so our our facebook person right they have a certification from their local community college for online advertising. That might not be such a great credential to include. If they have added profits to 11 businesses, that would be a very good credential to include because that's what the prospect you're, that's what your prospects looking for when they are looking for a Facebook ads expert. Now that may sound so obvious and so stupid, and I wouldn't include it if I don't see this stuff over and over with intelligent people. But, you know, mama told them not to brag. And then they've read all this stuff in sales letter books that says it's not about you. It's about your prospect. And they will use that to hook into a mindset that, well, I'm, I'm not really important. My work's important. I'm not really important. But the prospect wants someone who's confident. And so you need to put those relevant credentials in there to help them see that. So here are some questions for puzzle piece number three about identifying yourself and relevant credentials. Are you telling your prospects what they need to know to feel assured that you can do the job and get the job done? 
is it easy for them to understand how the credentials you give makes you qualified? And are you doing the right thing by cutting out the things that will impress people without convincing them that you're a good choice? If you have all of these awards for something that has no relationship to what they're hiring you for, if you like particularly exotic flavors of yogurt, that's great for bonding at a meetup. That's not so great necessarily for marketing yourself, unless you know you're you're going to the flavor industry of of, of you know yogurt association. <laughs> when you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques. Last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. And I think that two points that you made, we're taught not to talk about ourselves, not to brag because that's a turnoff to people. And we're also taught in copywriting, don't be talking, you know, if there's me's and we's and I's. And they outnumber the yous and yours and yols. Uh, get rid of some of them. The compromises, and, and I think that this can be easily accomplished, is what I like to do, what I like to call just a simple credibility booster. Um, it can just be a one sentence thing where it says, "Hey, my name's Joe Schriefer, and I helped Agora Financial bring in X amount of dollars over the last quarter." Or, "Hey." We are so-and-so company and Consumers Digest reported us the most reliable such-and-such product for the last two years in a row. It can be one sentence, and as long as it hits the point of, why should you listen to me, you don't have to go on, you don't have to brag, you don't have to boast. It can just be a simple statement of fact that gives them the reason, okay, now I know why I should listen to this person. That's a great point. Um, And I, I agree with you. Sometimes one sentence is all you need. I'm not usually thinking of more than three or four sentences. If you have a string of wins, I was talking to a prospect yesterday. I made a referral to somebody, and I, I gave three or four sentences about the person I was referring him to. He has routinely doubled and tripled entrepreneurial businesses and professional practices for years. I mean, that sentence alone told the person what he needed. I didn't need to go through his bona fides and where he works and where he lives and what kind of beer he likes, you know, that, that, that's not. So, okay. Um, fourth puzzle piece is credibility and believability all the way. Now, you're talking about a credibility statement. I agree. This is, this is a little 
uh, more pervasive and it's not just about the person writing the letter or the email or the ad. And what I'm going to talk about here is simple, but not always easy. You need to write the way you would talk. If you're actually meeting a prospect and that part crucial, so listen carefully, and you were relaxed and confident. I sometimes find people get far too down into the technical details, almost like they're hiding behind them. Or they get too hypey to seem genuine and authentic. And as, as you were mentioning before, Nathan, um, and I've often said, copy is the spoken language in the written form. That's worth remembering. Copy is the spoken language in the written form. So the Facebook person might not want to say, and I'll try and say this in my robot voice to make the point. If you are using the Facebook pixel to retarget customers who are more than one standard deviation away from your target market, that could cause unacceptable shrinkage. Uh, even if someone knows what it means, it makes people feel uncomfortable and it puts them up in their heads rather than in their feelings. You'd be better off saying something more like this in your sales letter. You want your ads to reach as many targeted prospects as possible and avoid getting clicks from people who would never buy from you in the first place. See the difference? I'm talking about the same thing. The first one demonstrates excessive technical expertise. The second one, I'm speaking this highly sought after language called human. Okay. And so here's some questions for puzzle piece number four. How easy is it for people to read what you've written and feel you know what you're talking about? Are you keeping things as simple as possible? Are you sounding like someone your prospect would like to have a conversation with? Think about that. If they're going to work with you, they're probably going to have to talk with you. And they're probably, you know, su um, summing up, uh, sizing up what it would be like to actually talk to this person. And if you come across as like you'd be an insufferable bore, that's not helping. So, your thoughts? Uh, I think that there's another aspect to this that we should cover, which is the baffling people with bullshit. One way that you can tell that somebody doesn't actually know what they're talking about or isn't qualified on whatever it is that they're trying to sell you on is if they keep rambling and going on about uh, stuff and they start throwing in technical jargon and they start um, try, they try to oversell their knowledge on something. And sometimes in copy, and I'll, I'll even admit that I'm guilty of this, sometimes when I'm going back through and editing my copy, I just chop a bunch of stuff off because I'm like, why am I beating this over the head? You know, why am I beating this dead horse? Why am I using these words? Why am I doing this, this, and this? And a lot of times when you're having a conversation with somebody and they're lying and, and you can tell that they're lying, it's because they, they, they just keep going and keep going and, and um, give too many details or they, uh, they give you just kind of pick up on it when you're talking to somebody who's lying. You can kind of pick up on it when somebody who's maybe not confident in what they're selling is doing the same thing where, um, where they, they just kind of those same subtle clues. D does that make sense to you get what I'm, what I'm trying to go for? It makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and you're right. And it's probably okay to, to write up. 
if you, if you tend to be a baffled with bullshit kind of person and you still got the job done, baffled with bullshit and then edit it out of your letter, at least. And in your first conversation, I, I thought, you know, we had um, Linda Perry on last time and I'm not the mindset expert she is, but she still inspired me to come up with this idea for copywriters. Um, imagine you were a, a secure and confident person. Just for the time that you're writing your copy, you can go back to who you really are later if you need to. <laughs> nice. Okay. So number, are we on the fifth one now? We're on the fifth one. See, this isn't nearly as bad as you thought, right? You you were afraid I was going to be doing the podcast version of War and Peace. And, <laughs> and I'm just giving you the close notes. Okay. Um, the fifth puzzle piece is your offer. Now, many people especially in service businesses where they're doing lead generation letter because they know how good they are. They know the kind of results they've gotten. And maybe they've even done a fairly good job of portraying that in the letter. They have a wrong idea. And the idea they have is that simply asking a prospect to call them is going to get the prospect to call them. And then it's going to get some business. And that doesn't happen a lot. What you need to do instead is offer some kind of risk-free piece of information like a report or a quick, cone, a quick phone conversation that offers some kind of specific valuable benefit. So even if your prospect never ends up doing business with you, they can't out ahead. Now, I know what the counter argument is this. People are scared and they think that they'll be giving away the store. But listen, if you are a service business owner and you don't have enough information and skills about your specialty to give something valuable away to start a relationship, then you may not have a store very long anyway. You could go out of business in a hurry. You need to really underpromise and overdeliver. And that I would say starts with your marketing. So let's apply this. For the Facebook guy, I wouldn't say, need to improve your Facebook advertising? Call me at 1-800-I'M-AN-IDIOT. Uh, this, is, this is what I'd do. I'd say, if you'd like to improve your Facebook advertising, I can probably help you. Let's set up a 10-minute phone call, and I'll tell you three things you can do that 99% of Facebook advertisers never think of. Or that 99% uh, of Facebook advertisers never think of that can get you more business right away. And if you like what you hear, then we can talk about working together. That'll work a lot better. It's a quid pro quo. Smart business people know that nothing for nothing, but it, they also know that if I give you a free sample of something that you like, then you might come back for more and that's going to cost money, right? So here are three questions to get the fifth puzzle piece in good shape. And this fifth puzzle piece is your offer. Are you making an enticing offer to get a qualified prospect to call you? Is the offer truly risk-free and beneficial to the prospect? And will the prospect get information or some other value from the offer, make them more likely to work with you? And before we sum up, I realize this will be a lot easier for some people on this call than others to implement. That's why I'm leaving all of the questions on the show notes page. So you can cut and paste them and, and store them in your computer and in your Dropbox and put them in your safe, whatever you want. 
And if you'd like a critique, if you'd like some help, I'm leaving the link to the critiques page on my coaching site on the show notes page. The link is to the page on my site, garfinkelcoaching.com. It's the Pappy Critique link. And let me hear from you if you'd like me to work with you on this. So now let's get to the five puzzle pieces again. And I guess we can wrap up. First is your hook, headline, opening. That whole complex of the words at the beginning. Secondly is staying on the problem all the way through the letter and expanding on it in an empathetic, understanding way. Third thing is identifying yourself and your relevant credentials. Four is credibility and believability all the way through. And five is an offer that provides risk-free benefit to your qualified prospect. So those in thought? Yeah, just on the last one, how important it is to understand the qualified prospect part. A lot of people, I, you see this uh, pretty frequently in in like the radio, um, the radio game, and and a, a lot of other places as well. Which is, um, sign up for my list and get a free iPad, or uh, call in between whatever, whatever for your chance to win a free all inclusive paid vacation to the Bahamas. That. Uh, uh, and the concern that people have of, well, do I really want to just give, give 10 minutes, even if it's a 10-minute call, do I want to just give 10 minutes away to people left and right? Anybody who sees the ad is going to be calling me and, and wanting 10 minutes of my time, and I'm only closing 3% of everybody, so I'm giving away all these minutes. Make sure that what it is that you're giving away only appeals to people it, that are qualified, have it be something that filters out the unqualified people. So the, the free iPad offer is probably not the thing that you want to give away. Yeah. And you know, you can also, you can put a filter in. you could say, if you're spending a thousand dollars a month on Facebook or more, you know, just send me your last three bills from Facebook and I'll be glad to talk to you for, and you could talk to someone like that for more than 10 minutes, you know? And they, if they don't make the first hurdle, they're probably not going to be a good client, even if they're qualified, because they can't follow simple instructions. How are they going to be able to put your good ideas to work? Absolutely. David, a lot of, uh, I think this is some foundational stuff. And um, I think that uh, it's, a, it's a good refresher, but for, for copywriters out there, especially in the service industry, these are some key things that without a healthy understanding of them, your sales letter is just going to flop. Yeah. So we'd like you to succeed. So go to the show notes page and take a look and, and put the stuff to work and send us your success stories and put our names in light. <laughs> nice. And instead of plugging the podcast at the end of this episode, I actually want to plug your copy critiques. Where again, can people go if they want to, um, check out and, and uh, maybe talk to you about getting their copy critiqued by you. Sure. You can go to garfinkelcoaching.com and then there's a little menu at the top that says services. Click on copy critiques, read about it, fill out the application. That'll take you three minutes and then we'll communicate by email and see if it's a good fit. And believe That's... me, if I don't think I can help you, I will say no. And if I can make a recommendation, I will. And if I can't, I'll say sorry. Nice. 
And I'll make sure to leave the link in the show notes as well. All right, David, thank you so much, man. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Thanks. Catch you later. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This show was brought to you by the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.